Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher barkar banu mikol amim, venatan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Amen. Shalom, everybody. I just want to let you know, it is Parsha Vayigash. We are fresh out of Hanukkah. And we are entering into the depths of Julantis because I have the Avenger Zolan. Shalom. He is joining us today for the Parsha podcast, and this is his tour portion. So I'm going to basically be in the passenger seat of the submarine and not submarine. I did make a water suit for this. So uh, here we go. So we're uh, starting off in bare sheet. Um, Vayigash actually starts in chapter 44, but uh, we're going to go wherever Zolan would like to start first. So we, we're going to be beyond puddle jumping because we're <laughs> swimming in the depths of Julantis. So we're going to dive straight down to verse... Um, actually, this is not part of his Torah portion, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's pretty cool. Come on. Um, it's in verse 30 of chapter 44. Okay. And it says, his soul is bound up with the lad's soul. The Ooh. same phrase is used of the intertwined souls of David and Jonathan. Uh, the beauty and consciousness of the three Hebrew words cannot be reproduced in translation. So, and I'm pretty sure that's talking about Yosef and Benjamin. Wow. But there's that. So that that's in verse 30? It says here verse 30. Oh, you're in 44.30. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, therefore, when I came to thy servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, seeing that his soul is bound up with the lad's soul. Oh, so it's talking about Benjamin and, and Yaakov. Benjamin and Yaakov are bound yes. up. Yes, and how it's like David and Jonathan. Wow. That. All right. But to go to something in the Torah portion. That, uh, that's actually in the Torah portion. That is? It's, yeah. It's showing it's not here. Interesting. That's, yeah, the uh, it starts yeah, uh, in 18, so all well, good. That's strange. All right, cool. <clears throat> well, I find awesome what the Midrash says here about when Yosef and, and Yaakov finally meet each other again. Uh -huh. It's a beautiful moment. Oh, I love that part. It's got a lot of, a lot of uh, lessons, but an elucidation to Yeshua and... It's awesome, uh, <clears throat> but it says here, uh, Joseph feared that the meeting might be too sudden for his father. He therefore sent his older son, Manasseh, with five horses to go out in front of him. When Yaakov saw him, he said, This must be Yosef. No, he was told, it is his son. Yosef sent his second son, Ephraim, with another five horses. Then again he says, This must be Yosef, Yaakov said. He would again told. He was again told that it was Yosef's son and not Yosef. So twice. What? Twice Yaakov mistakes Yosef's son for Yo Yosef, and then he goes on to finally. Finally, Yosef rode towards his father and at, at the head of the of a vast Egyptian army, clothed in silk and purple. He wore a golden crown which Pharaoh had sent him especially for the occasion. When Yosef recognized his father from afar, he descended from the chariot and walked towards him. All the noblemen did likewise. Yaakov questioned Yehuda, who is this great man coming towards us? So he didn't recognize him. So he, he saw Ephraim and he recognized Yosef, but when he saw Yosef, he didn't. Wow. That, that blew me away. Okay. <laughs> That's how we gonna start, huh? Um, but then, of course, there's the beautiful lesson of uh, praising him in the in the good times and the hard times, and it says how when they when they met, Yosef wept and fell on on Yaakov's neck, but Yaakov instead he just said the Shema, and that's right. to reaffirm God's ruling over everything. Well, I think it's interesting that the children of Yosef look like him. Yeah, yeah. Because now we have the complete pattern of Abraham looked like Adam, <laughs> Yitzhak looked like Abraham, Yaakov yep. looked like Abraham. They actually said in the Midrash that Yaakov looked like Abraham. Like they'd even, they jumped straight to Abraham instead of to Yaakov. Right. Interesting. So, and then we have Yosef looks like Yaakov. But now we got Ephraim and Manasseh looking like Yosef. So, 
Romans 8 actually says in verse 29 that says to be molded into the image of his son. So to back up, because the verse begins, it says, for those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning to be molded into the likeness and the image of his son. And so we have this idea that being followers of Mashiach Yeshua, the quote-unquote Yosef, who is actually greater than Yosef, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's saying a whole lot because, I mean, just from the copious amounts of commentary that we are surrounded by, um, Yosef is pretty much given this divine picture. And so how much more so with Yeshua, you know, which is why I think Philippians chapter 2 is such an incredible text for us to really grab a hold of. But we're supposed to look like Yeshua. And Ephraim looked like Yeshua, which then is... Also cool to relate it to his brother Manasseh, who was the servant in this in the whole ordeal between as a, as the translator for his brothers and how he you know intermediated between the two 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 sons two Mashiachs. That I mean, that's it right there. Yeah. Um, since we have a midrash for Ba here, I was wondering if they were going to speak on that, but they don't. They go right to forty-five. They spend a lot of time talking about the encounter. Between Judah and Yosef. So what else you got? Well, I found this commentary interesting in this Kumash. I don't know what Kumash this is, honestly. But okay. The pathos and beauty of Judah's plea on behalf of Benjamin have retained their appeal to man's heart throughout the ages. Sir Walter Scott called it the most comp- complete pattern of genuine natural eloquence extent in any language. When we read this generous speech, we forgive Judah all the past and cannot refuse to say, Thou art he who thy brethren shall praise. The spirit of self-sacrifice which Judah's speech reveals, offering to remain as a slave in Benjamin's place, has its, has its par- parallel in the life story of Moses, who besought God to blot out his name from the book of life unless his people Israel is saved with him. I thought it was just neat that they brought it back to Moses now. Okay. Yeah. On Benjamin, though, I've I've had a lot of thoughts about Benjamin uh, because as me and the other youth were trying to figure out where we are in the story of the Yosef and the redemption of Yosef and mm-hmm. how it parallels to Yeshua, uh, we were trying to figure out who Benjamin was, and I do agree with what we had figured out beforehand, which that he could be a a uh, figure that represents the Torah, mm-hmm. but on more reading and thinking, I think it could be possible that he represents us, like as Lapidim, and how, um, actually, I have a verse to kind of back this All right. Um But as Benjamin is kind of like a quote-unquote believer in Yosef, mm-hmm. and that he's alive still. Oh. Yeah, that, he, that whereas the brothers believed he was dead. Right, but Yosef or, or Benjamin, Benjamin believed in him, and where I get that is from the where he names his sons and how he names him after the, yeah. the torment or the, the hardships that. So now we're gonna go back through. to last week's story portion. That's last week. Yeah, that's that. I found that in this week. Oh no, because is the naming the the sons. Oh, because uh, well, this is when Benjamin first encounters Joseph. So yeah, it is last week. Because this is right before he put the goblet in his knapsack. Mm. Well, the one I'm referring to is talking about his son, Rosh. So that should happen in chapter 43. I'm talking 4621. 46? Okay. Benjamin's sons, Bela, Becker. Oh, Ashbel. we're going to go with the, the yeah. lineage. Yes, yes. yes. Which so, is the fifth Aliyah that we got to do in TTV class. That was legit. So it says, uh, uh, the Mesoric note vet means that this word appears twice in the, in the Tanakh. First here as a proper noun, he and Rosh, and second as a common noun. In remember my oppression and my misery, wormwood and gall. This hints at that which is stated in the Midrash, Benjamin named all of his sons in allusion to the difficulties that Joseph experienced. 
Thus Benjamin said, Through the name Rosh, I will remember my brother's oppression and my brother's misery, Wormwood and Gall. So it's a little bit of a little bit of SMU from my part that it could be a possibility that he believed that he would return, that Yosef would return. But I do th find it important to note that he it makes it a point to to remember the, the oppression that he did and like the sacrifice. Right. So just like we remember Yeshua's sacrifice for us. Well, I mean, you got to think about the fact that Benjamin is so moved by the brother he hasn't gotten to meet, who he knows is, he has to know he's somewhere because he's he's talking about the hoopah. I never saw his hoopah, he never saw my hoopah, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, there is that level there of hope, like, Bezrat Hashem I could see, you know? So... There's even uh, <clears throat> some at some places it says that Jacob himself didn't really believe that he was dead. Right. That it was kind of like a in the back of his mind. So that that it's a possibility Benjamin could represent us and why he was almost given special treatments after when they left. Yeah, because I mean he had extra change of clothes and everything. I was wondering if Ramban would do anything on that, but he does not. Mm. But yeah, it's actually so in forty three. If we go back to that, um, in uh, verse 29, it says, He lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. So he said, Is this your little brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Then Yosef rushed because of his compassion <clears throat> for his brother had been stirred and he wanted to weep. So he went into the room and wept there. So... It's interesting because it, I always love how we study so much commentary that it's like the Peshat text does not mention the names of the sons, like the conversation between Yosef and uh, Benjamin. So you just see in the Peshat that it's just, oh, he sees his brother mm -hmm. and he's like, God be gracious to you. He goes out and weeps. And yeah. It's like, but that oral Torah, though. It really brings it out. It brings it alive. It's like the, life into the spirit world. or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> what else we got here? And Before we do that, I, I do want to just kind of circle back to the fact that I don't believe it would be MSU to think that Benjamin had hope for Yosef being alive. Mm -hmm. and, um, and how we could correlate to Benjamin, you know, because Ben Yamin literally means son of my right hand. You know, and mm -hmm. so we are the sons of the right hand of yep. Hashem. And we were trying to be made in his image. Right. We should be looking like we him. We should be looking like him. Yeah. Which I just think that's a beautiful midrash <laughs> yeah, to bring just... down. Because to throw Yaakov off that much. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is my son. Oh, this is my son. Twice. Th that also means he didn't recognize his own self anymore. And it says also in midrash that, uh, or actually, no, I think that's in here in the... Um, Orchard of the Lights. Uh, it talks about how uh, it's everywhere, but big part <laughs> portion of it is in the Orchard of the Lights, where it talks about how he didn't no longer had the the ruach on him. Jacob didn't have it once Joseph left, mm -hmm. and how he had no more joy. Right. Which is so true. I think when we go through hard times, we almost forget what we look like ourselves. We actually do forget because um, the Amplified in uh, that Romans verse I was reading, chapter eight twenty nine was saying that it's all about the likeness, mm. the essence. So if you think about what you're saying, you know, if we are lacking in joy, if we're down in the dumps, we're not really our true self at that point. Yeah, that's true. It's also interesting that it, uh, joy comes uh, prophecy. Mm -hmm. With music comes joy and prophecy uh, to me, which is another great reason why we should totally sing. Uh, two thumbs up on that. <laughs> So um, I would actually like to bring down some Trugman on that because, um, you know, Rabbi Griffin on the Aliyah Day, uh, the fourth Aliyah, he brings down that um, the way that they broke the news to, to Yaakov was by having Sirach yeah. oh, play the harp, you know. <clears throat> so starting out with that, so we got uh, Midrash Tankuma uh, quoting, quoted by Rashi on Bereshit 45.27, talking about the spirit of Yaakov reviving. says, explains that the Shekinah, the divine presence, returned to him. Ankylos, in his Aramaic translation, translates the spirit as the spirit of prophecy. 
alluding to a rabbinic tradition which states that prophecy only rests on those in a state of joy. He implies that since Yaakov had learned of Yosef's apparent death, he had been in a state of deep mourning. So now it says the Midrash Haggadol 45:26 states that Sarah, Yaakov's granddaughter, was sent to him, and she played him soft, tranquil music, gently breaking the news to him by her song. Yaakov blessed her for announcing the news to him in such a soothing and healing way. So now we got the depression and the sadness and the lack of joy that we're experiencing. It's like a wound. And music and joy is going to heal that. Man. So then it says, um, when, when he was doing that, he says, according to tradition, she lived a remarkably long life. So he blessed her for doing that. So how much blessing could be placed upon us for the fact that we're willing to, through music, yeah. through joy, you know? It, it says that she never died. She passed into the Alamaba Ba right. straight in. like. And you think about Mashiach rearranges to Simka. So Mashiach is our joy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how much of that is Lapid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then it says, uh, it does a whole thing on King Shaul, yeah. which... Just think about how amazing that is, because you have this guy who's just like really troubled, basically demonically depressed and oppressed. But yet David would come in and play on his harp, and that would soothe him. His soul was, or his his joy was exiled from his body. So you think that's a reason why we sing Shir Hamalot for the birkat? <laughs> so you know, returning as a bearer of our sheaves. Um, and so just to kind of go on here, he says the Mishnah tells of how joyous. Music and song filled the air during Simkat Beit Hashoeva, which is the water drawing ceremony during mm-hmm. Sukkot. It says the sages describe how water was festively drawn each day from a spring in Yerushalayim. Wonder who that was. <laughs> You're right. And so then it says, and brought in a great procession to the temple altar over which it was poured. This libation symbolized the people's prayer for rain and sustenance. Throughout the evening, the generation's most illustrious sages would lead people in joyous singing and dancing, praising God to the accompaniment of Levites, who played on instruments too numerous to count. Summing up the incredible joy at this celebration, the Talmud states, anyone who has not seen Simkat Beit Hashoeva has never really seen true joy. Sukkah 5.1 so if you think about, so we're drawing water from the spring of Yerushalayim, which the spring of salvation, the well of salvation, drawing water with joy from the, well, from the wells of Yeshua and music. And um, actually the last podcast that I did for Parsha uh, Miketz and Hanukkah, I put them together. I was talking about in uh, Sanhedrin 99, it starts out saying that you should sing your Torah as a way of helping you remember what you've studied. So it's like singing. And so you have this aspect of water, you have this aspect of joy, you have this aspect of spirit, because it was at one of these festivals that Yonah received his gift of prophecy. You know, that's brought down. And and what is Yonah? Yonah's Mashiach ben Yosef. You know, and so we we have this picture of how even in dark and sad times, in times where we're depressed, in times where we're hurt, all we have to do is go to the wells of Yeshua. Joy. Draw out joy. We have to draw out our joy. Yeah. Oh. You know? Yeah, you have to let it go. <laughs> yeah, yes, literally. <laughs> and, um, you know, for the sake of having copious amounts of commentary, so Shonuf Pincus this week, he focuses on the monumental picture of Yaakov and Yosef being reunited. Mm. And he calls Yaakov one exile. And he calls Yosef another exile. And so they bookend the exiles. So when Yaakov and Yosef unite, it's the end of the exile. So he's going into Levon is 22 years with Yaakov. And Mitzrayim is 22 years for Yosef. Go for it. Somebody. Oh, man. I think it's, I think it's Balaturim here. He brings that down. Oh, no. Wait. Balaturim is. That is Forno. Okay. Keep going while I 
Well, that. so what I like about it is they're talking about uh, Yaakov represents the Torah, uh, Sheb Katav or Ketuv, which is written Torah. And then Yosef represents the Torah Shebe al the oral Torah. And they, uh, he correlates it, this is all Shona Pinkus. He correlates it to the fact that Yaakov is a fire and Yosef is the flame. Mm. And how we have the fiery Torah as described in Devarim 33.2. From your right hand, you gave a, gave a fiery Torah. And then Yosef being the flame. So once you have the fire, you have what extends out of the fire is a flame. Something that shoots out, that goes beyond the, the habitation of the fire. <clears throat> and so that's what the oral Torah does. It, just like we pointed out about... Um, Yosef and Benjamin meeting in the fiery written Torah, all we see is a short interaction. But yet we look into the oral Torah and it's a flame that shoots out and consumes us of the 10 sons that are actually the completion of the 12 sons that Yosef should have had. But it's also Benjamin <clears throat> expressing the hope that his brother is still alive, you know, and so... Mm -hmm. Uh, and then to kind of summarize it, he ends his commentary this week by saying that if we stay in the fiery Torah and in the flame of the oral Torah sustains us throughout the exile, that so much so that it feels like we're not in exile when we stay in that habitation. So through all of everything that pulls us away from our Torah, everything that pulls us away from our observance, if we stay and the written Torah and the oral Torah combine them. It's like Yosef and Yaakov being reunited. It is the Shema. So you you're saying that we have joy. It's like as if we're not in the exile. Yes. But it's also it's like it's a good thing for us to be joyful, so that way we're not despairing. But also, I just realize it's it's another uh, thing that brings in the holy sparks. Because if we're not being joyful, then what reason do they have to join us? Right. Did not you find, find that yet? You didn't find it yet. And, and the other beautiful thing about it, he did this whole breakdown about there is Haran or Padanaram, which is where Levan was, which is where Yaakov went. And then you have Mitzrayim. So if you look at Haran and if you look at Mitzrayim, what are those two words? Haran, which is anger, fury, wrath. Mitzrayim, narrow, confinement, straits. Mm. And you think about the fact of, uh, it is, I believe, yes, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, talks about how it is for freedom that Mashiach has set us free. And so what were we freed from? We were freed from slavery, bondage, and death. But that slavery, that bondage, and that death was actually anger, was wrath. It was the, the fury that we have built up because in that place of confinement, we were being disobedient. You know, and so if you look at Yaakov and Yosef, we have this picture of how in the place where we were formerly disobedient and the place that formerly held us and kept us separated from Hashem, through Yaakov and Yosef, we actually overturn that. Mm -hmm. And that's how we also draw water with joy. So to give you a little more time, <laughs> I, just, I do want to touch on the Basora portion because we yes. had a beautiful time in the TTB class about this. It's a beautiful Basora. Oh, I actually did want to say something before we move on, too. Get it. And I forget. Let it go. Uh, I think, and also, it, uh, the theme in this Torah portion is um, was many things, but one of them I, I found interesting and really shown out to me was that there, there's a lot of going forward and preparing the way going yes, on. Yes, yes. Sarah, she, she goes and prepares the way. News to Jacob. And Yehuda, um, Yehuda goes ahead. Yehuda prepares in Goshen. Um, and then you, we find out in this Torah portion that Yosef was going to prepare the way. And it's like this, how we, we go through a hard time and we don't know what's going on. And then we come to the end of it. Wow. And we find out why and what the reason was and the good that came out of it. And that's what this whole Torah portion is about, is the good that comes out of those. Wow. And that's where I saw in it. And it also goes to the, to the Besorah as well and how he reveals himself. So, I mean, if you think about that, so days or moments or circumstances that we could care less for, that we really wish would not be happening, it's like those very things have something so beautiful. Yes. And I know we say Gamzule Tova or Gamzu for short, but mm -hmm. 
I mean, seriously, that is such a, a freedom and such a, a amazing, uh, I believe, security actually for us to know that, yeah, this this sucks. This really does. I don't like this at all. It's preparing a way for something. And you mentioned that uh, one of the standout things from Rabbi Griffin last week about how before something amazing is going to happen, there's something that's just really bad and negative. It's a bottleneck, and if you think about it, it's when, you, when water goes through a bottleneck, it's not like the water is reduced, not like our blessings are reduced. It's just yeah. constrained a little bit. Yeah. But when it releases, it releases really and in abundance. It's literally going from the pit in jail yes. to the throne. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so in our Besorah portion this week, it is actually found in the writings of Luke, chapter 24. And um, one of the coolest parts about this, this is picking up uh, on verse 30. It's talking about when he is sitting with the, the men that he was traveling on the road to Emmaus with. Wasn't it just last week we were reading the first part of this account? Yeah. And it's so interesting that Parsha Miketz and Parsha Vayigash are like a part one and a part two, <laughs> like cliffhanger in the that's middle. That's true, that's true. And you're just like, man, they found the cup in, in Benjamin's sack, and now they got to go back. And then it's Join like, next time. <laughs> boom, you know, to be continued. So now, even in our Basora, it reflects that they broke it up so much like that. I think it's just crazy. So he's sitting at their meal. And there's a breaking of the matzah because it's Pesach, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there's this idea of revelation when something is broken, really? you know, because you think about what, what happens when we're at the Seder and we break the afikoman. That's such a powerful moment because, yeah. you know, you took that matzah out, you know, you're going to wrap up one and, you know, you're going to go hide one, you know, and it's just kind of like, or you're going to, you're going to go wrap, you're going to wrap up one in linen go hide it only for it to be found later like Mashiach's body mm-hmm. but then the other one you're going to partake of right there <clears throat> you're going to partake of that sacrifice and so just I see what you, it's broken up yeah the cliffhanger and it's just kind of like wow so we're going to have something now but we also have something to look yeah. forward to but that happens when it's brokenness so it's almost like what's in our brokenness elongates the goodness Mm-hmm. It puts it puts it out a little bit further, but a little bit better though. Yeah, it gives it more sustenance. Yeah, you know, and it's like well, one of those things where you don't know how something, how good something is until you know how. Well, it's like uh, Shabbat and how during the whole week, especially when you, if, oh, you have, if you have a really rough week, you know that that Friday night you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, get some Shabbat. Right. <laughs> but if you have a really easy week, sometimes we, well, oh yeah, Shabbat, you know, but. Oh, wow. Sometimes, but it's, take it for granted. Take it for granted. But when we have it tough, we don't. Isn't there something in the Basura about that? Like, what? Uh, oh, man. Come on, let it go. I mean, it's like trampling on the foot, trampling over his blood, or is that how the, the verse goes? Hang on, we can do this. <laughs> so I believe, let's see if this is what you're talking about. Um, Hebrews 10 29. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? You thinking about that? Yeah. I mean, in a way, we do that when we're, when we're not grateful, and it really makes us grateful when we go through a hard time. Because the Shabbat is the grace of Hashem. Yeah. Because it's called the gift from Hashem's treasury. So if we were, you can almost say maybe hard times might happen because we just weren't being grateful enough. So if we if we were if we started off grateful, even in the good times like Yaakov was, yeah, yeah, then we wouldn't have to go through the hard times to show us how grateful we really should be. Okay, so we that makes me think of rewinding back to Vayeshev because that's my Torah portion. So at the beginning of Vayeshev, the commentary is that Yaakov just wanted to be done and settled <laughs> down. He's just like, golly, oh, like gosh. since Vayetze has been ridiculous. And he's just like, no, the righteous don't get to settle in this lifetime. No. <laughs> is it not enough for us to know that in the Olam Haba, that's where all the reward and gain is? And I believe Rabbi Griffin brought this down from somewhere, but we live off the principle of that in this world, you know? So even though we got our reward coming, 
we still get to glean the principle in this yeah. world, which I think is just like cheating. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, so uh, Yaakov wanting to settle down, though, made him ungrateful because everything is like, I want everything to be good. I want everything to go my way. And Hashem's like, no. no. By the way, I'm going to take the son you love, your only begotten son, even though I know you got 11 more. But your only begotten son, I'm going to take him, and you're not going to see him again for 22 years. It's, uh, and you, you just said uh, that Yaakov, or, or that we that we get the, the share, share, I don't remember the word you used. Um, principle. Principle of this world. Yeah. And the next. Yeah. Well, it's just like Yaakov, he, Esau's portion was this world, and Yaakov's was the next, but from Yaakov, that birthright, which assume entail that. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, Yaakov uh, bought the birthright from Esau. So then, therefore, <clears throat> Jacob has now this world and the next. Yeah, just like we were saying. Um, but also, but not its fullness, because you think about Esau. Esau still has tons of wealth. That's the mm -hmm. whole difference between I have lots of stuff versus I have everything. Yeah, yeah. Where you're going? Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, this, the Midrash says also places too, but it talks about in a, in a you know in a story it talks about how it's important to keep that joy though. It's unfortunate because it says that even after all this in all this time it says that Yaakov was Gamzula Tova about everything, even though he was you know I want to settle down, but he was still Gamzula Tova about it. Yeah. But in the very end, when things were good, he took it for granted, mm. and he tells. Uh, Oh, this is the, talking to Pharaoh? He tells Pharaoh that oh, his days snap. have been short. Yeah. Because he hasn't truly lived. And then the rabbis say that he lost his, I think, 40 years or something like that. Um, I think it was, no, it was 10. 10. Because it was 10 times he basically, ten times, yeah. yeah, 10 words that he stated. 10, 10 years off of his life. Yeah. Which, again, is just another, uh, he, he could have been blessed so much more. It's, it's so crazy. It's like 10 words. 10, ten words. words. One word correlating to a year. And you think about what are the ten mitzvot that were written on the tablets? Ten words. What are what are the words that were used to speak creation to existence? Man. Ten words. Oh, come on. I got something on that now. Oh, no. Come okay, on. here we go. So in the humash. I love says, your compilation over here. This is legit. <laughs> That's what I do, too. Yes. Um, it says, appoint them. And this is referring to when... Uh, um, let's just go to the page. Oh, that's Baal Turim. Excuse me. <laughs> Baal Turim, page 434. Oh. So, it says, appoint them, and this is in, re in regards to verse 6 of chapter 47. And it says, the Mesoretic note, vet means that this word appears twice in the Tanakh, first here, and appoint them as chamberlains over the livestock that belongs to me. And second, in regard regarding to Lucos, tablets of the oh. Ten Commandments. And you shall place them in the ark. This teaches that despite Joseph's ploy to keep his brothers out of Pharaoh's service, they nevertheless were appointed as administrators and as generals over the officers of the armies. And therefore their names were recorded and stored in the king's archives. This is, in, this is the connection between appoint them as chamberlains and you shall place them in the ark. And so what I got from that was place, you know, the Ten Commandments over your life and everything, really. Yeah. Chamberlains over appointed. everything. Appointed. <clears throat> That's violent. <laughs> so to get back to our basura real quick, yes, though. Yes. <clears throat> so he's he's sitting with them at the meal. They break the matzah. They finally get revelation, and it's uh, verse thirty-one. It says, "Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him." And as soon as that happened, what does he do? He disappears. He vanishes. <laughs> now, look at this phrase: "Their eyes were open." Let's keep reading, or let's keep scanning, and let's look again. So we got uh, startled and frightened. Why are you troubled? See my hands. Oh, the spirit, da 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 da. He said this. He showed them their hands and their feet. And then verse 44. No, no, no. Verse 45 says, Then he opened their minds to understand. So we have this idea. That Yeshua can be right in front of us. Torah, right in front of us. The ten words, the chamberlains, the works, everything right in front of us. But we can't see it unless he opens up our understanding. Which is why our violent young Lapid Kila brought out that we need to be praying for that. And I love that. I think, oh, talk about taking something for granted. 
just saying, Hashem, open our eyes, open our heart, give us understanding. Which don't we say that when we wrap the tefillah? Yeah. Come yeah. on. <laughs> now I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Zolan out on blast because he told me about his yeah. his birthday. He said he was in his tefillin all day for his birthday, just like they used to do. What was that like? Can you just? Oh man, it was it was incredible. It was. You know, at first it was it was odd because it was like discomfort yeah. at first, but discomfort, discomfort. Oh. But then, you know, as through more Torah study, and eventually I didn't even know it was there, and it was just wow. part of me. And you talk about open, opening yeah. your mind yeah, and your heart. I, yeah, and I accepted it into me, and it became part of me. And and, wow. and when I took it off, it felt like becoming one with Mashiach. That's crazy. So the reason why I wanted to just kind of pull that section out of the Basora because. There's this thing called the Dictionary of the Targumim. And when you look at the Greek word, let me go ahead and be very technical for our technical peeps. Um, for some reason, when I use Bible Hub on this device, it uh, or verse 46, it has the ability to do the Hebrew. So He's been blessed. I don't know. It's not on every device, but... This device, it is. I don't know how I got there, but I'm thankful for it. <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna do the. Uh, I'm gonna just go straight Greek, because I want to make sure we get the Greek word in there. <coughs> you got it pulled up. Yes. All right. So the word for opened. Uh, oh, open my mind. Yes. Yeah, says that he will open. Forty-five. Oh yeah, Sleeko. Yeah. So twenty-four, forty-five. The word for opened. I need some phonetics because it's Greek to me. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Can you click on the word? I got you. He opened or mind? Open. Some transliteration. Out here. It is Strong's number 1272. It says the word is, oh my goodness, Diangoigo. Diangoigo. It's Greek to me. That's my Greek pronunciation. But when you look at what the actual Hebrew word is, it is the word. Commonly used of patak, and it's also used pikeak. So obviously, Hashem zevatai tiktak. Okay, that one. Yeah. So let me go ahead and start there. So check out what patak means. This is what we're praying before the Amida, which is probably why the commentary on that verse from the Big Green Book actually says this is the point in time in our prayer that our words literally become the Shekinah speaking through us. Oh. We are so one with the Shekinah wow. of Hashem by the time we get to the Amidah. No. Yeah, oh. it's in there. I want to see it. <laughs> uh, believe it's 55-1 or something like that. Hashem opened my mouth. But anyway, wow. we're praying that, right? And Mashiach is doing that in order for him to be revealed. So the revelation of Mashiach, the precedent is the only way to see him is if he opens our eyes, if he opens our ears, if he opens our heart. So again, some of our other violent Lapidim from the TTB were uh, basically bringing out the fact that um, don't try to argue with people about your faith. Don't try to argue with people about being observant. Don't try to argue with people about holidays and, and things of that nature. If Hashem is going to open understanding and revelation, work from there. Oh, okay. You said 55-1? Uh, it should be, I believe it's 55. Where's my Sidur? Sidur. The conductor with instrumental music, Amaskil by David. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not hide from my pleas. Hide from my pleas. Heed to me and answer me as I lament my distress and moan. All right, hang on, hang on. All right, so that is 51, sleek on, 51, 17. That is way different from 55. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, patak. When we look at the word patak, it means like opening a door, opening a gate. The first meaning it brings up is opening, seeing, as in she came to open the door and... Um, on it. Hey, my God, open my, my lips mouth. and my mouth shall declare your praise. It doesn't have any commentary. 51, 12, 51, 13, 51, 14, 51, 15. Let me see this. Let me see this. Okay, it's here, but I don't see the part about the shaky now. 
We need him to reveal himself to us. Uh, regretting sin, turn to them. Look at that. <laughs> oh, I'll go ahead and read it since. Yeah, go know. ahead. Teach me wisdom in that wi- in that which is hidden in my heart, which is hidden. Give me the wisdom to confess. That's from Rashi. Alternatively, teach me and reveal to me the insights that are hidden from me, Ibn Ezra. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna swerve everybody. Hang on, on my protagonist. <laughs> Because uh, each Pelah brought this up, and it is definitely worth repeating. <clears throat> and it's in 51, so. Oh, here it is. Thank you, Hashem. Okay, so if you would read the Hasidut point there. So it starts there, and it goes, just let it fly. All right. And then we'll get back to Patak. Prayer is a ladder that allows us to draw progressively closer to God, and the Amidah prayer is at its highest point. The stages of prayer that precede the Amidah are designed to arouse powerful feelings of love and awe for God. However, they are merely preparations for the ultimate unity with God, achieving dur- it, God achieved during the Amidah, when we are absorbed within God himself. At that point, we lose any sense of self-awareness because we are wholly consumed by the in- immediacy of his presence. In this state of total submission to God, unaware of ourselves and our needs, we cannot express our personal desires. We therefore preface the Amidah with a request. God, open my lips and my mouth should declare your praise. At this point in our prayer, God speaks through us. <laughs> our mouths are simply channel, channels for God's praise. When we allow ourselves to be completely enveloped by God, and the blessings we recite are not our own. They are God's blessings and they are then surely fulfilled. Really? Ah! Really? Oh, man. So what Yeshua is doing here, when we're able to see him, it's bringing us into the revelation of Hashem. And it's through the ladder. The ladder. Okay, so we're not going to go into the this last part of the Basura, but because the whole thing about him ascending in the Bracha and the Tower of Salvation, like, okay. <clears throat> but Patak, it also says... That it is open-eyed and able to see, like one who was blind. Wow. It also says to open to be released. And then it says, so basically like the uh, the jail that Yosef was taken from. Oh. All right. So the other word, this was my favorite. This is what I was scanning while we were in class. So it is pay kuf chet, which is pekeach. This word means open hearing. If a deaf or mute married one hearing or a hearing person married. If one hearing married one hearing. If she became deaf and dumb. So you have this picture here of someone who is disabled and then they're brought into this ability. So then it says um, like a seeing and a blind man walking together. So you have this union, okay? That's the confusion of the first part is that a seeing person marries a person who can't see, a mute person marries a person who can speak, a deaf person marries a person who can hear. And this is the picture of what Mashiach does because that just shows how inept we are without him. Doesn't it say that he comes to to uh, the blind see? Yes. And the deaf to hear? The Midrash is all over that. Oh, my Because that's what gosh. happened at Mount Sinai in order for the Torah to go forth. Hashem said, my perfect Torah has to go to a perfect people. <laughs> yes, yes. My perfect Yeshua has to oh. live in a perfect temple. Oh. Goodness. Okay. <laughs> you brought that water suit. <laughs> so, yeah, just I had to get ready. I know it was going to be a hurricane. Man. So, anyway, the, I mean, that's the beauty. Okay, so Vagi Gosh is like, oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> for real. And the Basora with this Parsha, and then don't even get into the Haftarah because yeah. we talk about the, the union of the two Mashiachs. Yes. I mean, yes, and and how he's once then, then we'll have the Mashiach come, and Yeshua will be man. But it, uh, I think it's beautiful how Torah, in a way, it sh- it shows the revelation of in in its Torah port- in the story, it shows like the revelations to, of the Jews realizing Yeshua. Mm-hmm. 
but it also I see the Besorah portion as our brethren in Christianity realizing Torah. Yeah. And how they were open their eyes. And so it's inverted. Yeah. And how in the Torah it shows, you know, the Jews finding Yeshua, but in the Besorah it's Oh, come on. The Christians finding finding Torah and who it's the same thing in in reality. Yeah. But it's beautiful. We're both looking for the same thing. And it's beautiful. So to back you up, it literally is codified. Luke 24, verse 44. These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, mm. that are written about me in the Torah. And remember, on the Peshat level, there is nothing written about him. So That's what I thought if you was. only have Yaakov and you don't have Yosef, you have nothing. <laughs> You got, I mean, you got some fire, but you don't have the flame. Mm. You got the, the 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 stick or the mechanism that's supposed to hold a lapide in it, but you don't have the lapide, you know? So anyway, that's the only one part. And then he says, what's also fulfilled and written about me in the prophets, and then what's also written and fulfilled about me in the Psalms. And then it says, Pikeach their minds to understand the scriptures. If we're ever thinking that to know Yeshua, we only need the the New Testament, the the Brit HaDashah, we're going to miss some crucial things. There is a lot of amazing things in the Brit HaDashah, but this is showing us right here. You need to start with the Torah. You need to start with the Haftarah. You need to start with the Tehillim. Is this why there is a Tehillim that corresponds to each parasha? No, man. I think yes. Yes. But anyway, so, I mean, so the the essence of Vayigash that I'm just seeing is that how we need to remove ourselves from ourselves to, to connect with that which is able to take us beyond. You know, I don't yeah. find it any coincidence because it's not a Hebrew word. That your description of what it was like to be into feeling all day, initial discomfort, moved into a union and a oneness. Yeah. And then when you take away the feeling that you felt like you lost a part of yourself, you know, and that's what it's like with Mashiach. And may we never part from Mashiach. Because the beautiful thing is, is that no one can pluck us from his hands. But as the incredible Talmud told me so beautifully, he said, but we can walk out. And that's powerful Easily. to think about. Easily. Go to the children of Israel in the clouds. They're in the cloud, mm-hmm. but they have the choice whether or not they want to be in it. All right. So before we wrap up, got any final thing that you you can think about? Let's take a minute and think, see if there's anything we missed. I'm going to check my screenshots. <laughs> Same. Because <laughs> I know there was lots of stuff that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. I loved how... In with the, in conjunction, the midrash says in the the um, Orchard of Delights talks about how Yehuda, when he's pleading for Benjamin to Yosef, he's also pr- pleading and praying to God at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which also just is this beautiful connection between Yeshua and his divine divinity. Right. But I think it's really cool with uh, that he's, he's praying, and then uh, what the Midrash says, knowing that in your mind, then what the Midrash says says about the situation, he says, Yehuda at this point was prepared to even give up his own life for Benjamin, thinking perhaps my self-sacrifice now will atone from, for, my, for my having de- deceived my father when we sold Yosef. So it's beautiful that he's, he's trying to gain his own uh, atonement with self-sacrifice. Right, to king. As, and as a king he is. <clears throat> well... I can't choose, but uh, I want to go ahead and just th- throw this out there. Um, Benny B, Ladder of Jacob, I lovingly call him Benny B, Ben Burton. It's crazy because he talks about the hidden exile, and he talks about that there are 70 names listed of those who descended. But if you read the Peshat again, if you take away Yosef and just look at Yaakov, there's only 69 not 70. So who is the 70th? Who's the 70th person? Who is the hidden exile? Bava Batra 123a. But if you count them, you only find 69. The 70th is Yaakov, the daughter of Levi. 
who was born between the boundary walls as they entered Mitzrayim. And then, if that wasn't enough, I posted this on Instagram. This is, uh, I believe, where did I post? Megillah 29a says this. Come and see how beloved the Jewish people are before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As every place they were exiled, the divine presence, the Shekinah, went with them. As it is stated in our verse over here, so uh, when they were exiled to Babylon, the divine presence went with them. As it is stated, for your sake, I have sent to Babylonia. Yeshayahu 43.14. So too, when in the future they will be redeemed, the divine presence will be with them. As it is stated, then the Lord your God will return with your captivity. Devarim 30 verse 3. So you have this idea of if there are people descending into Mitzrayim, there's supposed to be 70. There's one not accounted for. And we find out it's Yaakov, which her name actually means like servant of Hashem. And then you have the fact that it's the Shekinah that descends because the Shekinah descended with Yosef. The Shekinah also is going to descend with Yaakov. But then you have this missing person who is who encapsulates the idea of the Shekinah is hidden, but it's accounted for and it's with us in exile. And so <clears throat> the beauty of that is to know, like, I've been talking with Stav Soldat, the Winter Soldier, and him and I were talking about how we can't get too comfortable in exile mm. and that we most most mostly we have gotten comfortable in exile. We've gotten comfortable with thinking Israel will be one day, but not now. And I mean, obviously that gets on like that's hot buttons. It's like, what do you mean we need to move to Israel? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm do, what I am saying is that we need to not be comfortable with this exile, not try to just make do mm -hmm. with the fact that we we have to work in a society that doesn't recognize Shabbat and holy days. And that doesn't accommodate for us to do the three prayer times a day. We can't go to the temple, you know, all these kinds of things. But to know the Shekinah is here with us. And so we don't need to be like completely down about it, but we also need to be yearning to be returned. I don't know about you, but if you have um, <clears throat> something that you're so attached to, you don't want to be without it. Mm -hmm. I imagine the feeling you had when you took your tefillin off. You're like, man, I can't wait to do this again. And that's what it's like in our current exile. Yeah. So gosh, drawing near removing our ownership, getting attached to what takes us beyond ourselves, uh, looking like Yosef. What do we know? Do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vekaye olam natah betokheinu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Zalan, Mazal Tov, to our podcast. Listen, Vavakasha, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Everybody, have a Shavuot Tov and a blessed Shabbat. Shalom, shalom. shalom.